Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. You may be seated. This is the day the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. There is nothing in me that comes in here that's, that feels dead. Everything dead don't, that need to be buried. But if we in this room and we are alive, we ought to make some noise. We ought to serve Jesus. He's been good. He's been good. He's been, he's been kind. He's been merciful. And I'm grateful to, that he allows me to worship him. That he, that he gives me the opportunity to be able to worship him together with brothers and sisters. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be with you today. Happy Mother's Day. The way my, 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 my cousin say it in Harlem. Happy Mother's Day with a V. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers. We celebrate you today. We honor you today. We love you and we are grateful uh, for your presence in, our, in all of our lives. And, you know, I do approach this day understanding that it is complex, that it is, is not, it's, not always, um, it's not always a joyous day for some people. Uh, there are some of you that lost mom too early. There are some of you that grew up with a dysfunctional mom and the thought of honoring your mom is the furthest thing in your mind. There are some of you that wish that you could be moms and just that door hasn't opened yet. There are some of you that are moms that lost children. You know, all, all of us are in this room, but I think this is a good opportunity that we have before us to invite God into whatever situation it is, whatever emotion we're feeling today. We serve a God that uh, we should invite into that. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I want to I wanna, uh, be like Ty and just give some... Mother's Day love to really three mothers that have impacted my life the most. Most first is my mother. Can we thank God once again for my mother? Stand up, mom. Sharp, sharp. Turn around. Let them see that tie and that coordination of that jacket. There we are. There we are. My mother is the epitome of sacrifice and faithfulness. And, you know, you, you guys wouldn't know this, but um, there are four of us. Four, uh, I have four, three other siblings. I have two older brothers and one older sister. Uh, but what you what you don't know is that there are a generation of us that she has mothered. A whole bunch of young people that would look at her, look up to her as a spiritual mom. And so I just want to honor her today. Uh, also, my mother-in-law is in the house. Ty's mother. Let's thank God for her. Stand up, Kuma. Stand up, Kuma. Turn around. Anybody that knows my mother-in-law, see, there are people that have horror stories with, with, with their mother-in-laws. And uh, those of you who are about to get married, Jeremiah, I see you in here. Those of you who are about to get married, y'all should take note. Uh, there is no greater mother-in-law than my mother-in-law. She is, she is amazing. Uh, at this point, it is clear that she loves me more than she loves Ty. And I'm not joking about that. Kuma, can you just say amen? Amen. There it is. There it is. She loves me more than she loves her own daughter. I am, I am a son. She never calls me a son-in-law. She always calls me a son in love uh, because she, she genuinely loves me. I am a part of the family. And also, I just want to thank God for um, the mother of my two boys, uh, Ty. Can we thank God for Ty? You know, watching her love and support and care for our boys, uh, there's so much that they, they, when I hugged her this morning and said happy Mother's Day to her, one of the things I, I whispered to her, you know, I whispered bittersweet nothings in her ear. And one of the things I whispered to her is that, that the boys, you know, they, they don't know how to appreciate the stuff that they don't know that you do yet, but at some point they'll look back 
and they'll appreciate, uh, they appreciate all that you do. So happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers that are in the room. Uh, I am excited about preaching a Mother's Day sermon, so grab your Bibles, go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to 1 Kings. Uh, once you get to 1 Kings, go to chapter 3. Uh, just quick note, we'll be out of the book of Daniel for the next two weeks, um, but uh, two weeks from now we'll jump back in. And when we jump back in, we actually only have two sermons left, two, two Sundays left in that book. Well, we'll do chapter 9 by itself, and then we'll do Daniel 10, 11, and 12, and then we'll finish off the book there. Uh, but I'm excited today to preach concerning Mother's Day. As you are turning to 1 Kings, just want to offer some quick, and I mean very quick, pastoral reflection and pastoral thoughts on um, some of the news that came out this week. Uh, regarding the activity that we've seen in Supreme Court with uh, in regards to Roe versus Wade. Uh, for some of you that don't know, you might have missed it. Um, there is news of possibility of uh, abortion not being uh, protected on the federal level and given authority and power over to the states. And um, honestly, man, the topic of abortion is a complicated one. And you, we, none of us in this room, I don't care where you land on the fence, none of us should approach it as though it's cookie cutter, as though it's easy. Uh, there's always a bit of nuance to it. Um, and you know, now we're in such a, I feel like we're in such a dangerous culture that any stance you have means you're anti something. You know, for example, if you say I'm pro-life, then, then pro-life now today means that I am anti-woman's rights. And if you say that I am pro-choice, then that automatically means that you are for terminating um, pregnancies and terminating infants. and. Um, there's nuance. There's, there's, it's not as easy. And I think as believers, we should embrace that as complicated and we should lean into it and allow the gospel to be applied to every area of life, including this area and this topic that the world and the government is still and the church is still trying to figure out. Uh, and I bet, man, I bet we're all over the spectrum in this room. I bet you if we had conversations one-on-one, -on -one, I bet you we would find that there, there are so many. In fact, I, I've had some conversations with some of you, uh, and I know that we're all over the place. It's not, as, um, it's not as easy to talk through some of this stuff. But I just want to offer two thoughts. Now, number one, uh, let me first say, even if you disagree, we have to create environments where uh, women's rights over their own bodies are protected. That, that, needs to, that just needs to happen. Um, no one should be able to tell a woman what to do with her own body, but I believe that it is possible to care for the unborn while simultaneously caring for a mother that oftentimes has to make a very difficult decision. Very difficult decision. And, you know, I'm in a pastor's group chat and, and uh, we threw around some, some, some articles and stuff. And one of the things I read uh, was that one in every four women by the age of 45 will have an abortion. Uh, four out of every 10 women who get abortions are regular church attenders. And only 16% of church-going women speak to anyone in their church before making that decision. And sadly, the reason that they don't speak to somebody in the church before they make the decision is because they feel the church is judgmental and they don't trust the church. And they don't trust people in the church because their business will go all the way around. Can you, is, is that, am I okay in this room? And I, I just, I, I think, you know, um, let me say, if those stats are true, that means that some of you that are in this room have been battling shame and, and you've had an abortion and you haven't told anybody and you, you're, you know, you're embarrassed by it and you don't want your business to go out. Let me just say, you are loved. God loves you and God is gracious and he's merciful. 
And so number one, a woman's right over her body has to be protected. But I also believe that we have an obligation to protect the unborn as well. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you. Let me read one more verse. Job 31, 15. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form both of us within our mothers? It is clear that when a woman becomes, when a woman conceives that God is working, that God is doing something. And I believe that we have to, um, we have to do all we can to protect um, protect the unborn that is inside of that womb. So I, I, I know it's complicated and I probably didn't give a clear answer, but uh, we need to protect women's rights. We need to honor women and let women make their own decision. But we also have to create a, a culture that they feel that they can express and they can talk and not be judgmented, uh, judgmented, judgmental, judgmental, judgment. Why am I adding all this stuff to it? It's just so simple where they don't feel judged. And so let's embrace the complexities of PIF. I know it's, I know it, let's not lose fellowship over, over this. Like let's, let's embrace the complexities, dig in and wrestle together through something that I believe is complicated. And, and let's pray. Like let's pray over whatever it is. You know, at the end of the day, the churches always thrive over corrupt government, period has always done that. And so I, I don't I don't uh, I don't stake my hope in the Republican or Democratic Party or the Supreme Court or Congress. I put my full hope in Jesus Christ, the one that will restore and redeem all things. All right, let's get into it. First Kings chapter three. I have no clue what I was doing with that judgment. That was that's gonna bother me all night. All right, check me out. Verse 16 is where we are. If you got the word, if you could just say I'm there, B. All right, verse 16, it says, Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman, and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day, after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. Don't make, make note of this phrase. And we were alone, and there was no one else in the house. Only the two of us were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose in midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. And the first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, the one who says, one, uh, uh, the one who says, this is my son is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is alive. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and give the other half to the other. And then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. And the other said, divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. I'm going to preach today from the topic entitled A Mother's Heart. 
Let's look to the Lord before we, before we dig into the text. Father, we are grateful, so grateful for the mothers that are in this room. And the mothers that are even, the ones that are piped in online right now, we have no clue. And probably some of us will never know the sacrifices that our, our mother has made to make sure that we were taken care of and held down. So, Father, I pray that you would bless them today as we dig into this text. I pray that all of us would see Jesus in the text and all of us would rejoice after the redemptive work of Jesus. And so, Father, do, do what only you can do. Stir up our hearts change our lives, change our behavior, change our focus, change our priorities so that Jesus Christ can be fully on his throne in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mother's heart. Uh, my youngest son is here. He's 16 and he'll be 17 in November. My, my oldest son is 19. Well, actually he's 18. He'll be 19 in a few weeks, which is crazy to me. Um, but you know, yesterday, Ty and I were looking through some old photos as we were kind of preparing uh, for Mother's Day and trying to grab some pictures. I went down the basement, you know, and dusted off this old box that we had that's full of pictures. And the pictures are all um, pictures of my boys when they were, you know, born and they were young and they were infants and toddlers. And when I was looking through the pictures, it reminded me of, you know, when my oldest son was an infant, there are often times where he was congested at night where he just couldn't breathe out of his nostrils and he had to breathe out of his mouth. And I don't know what you new parents have. You guys probably have some fancy gadget. Back in the day to, to unclog the nose, to get the, the decongestion, you would take this little blue syringe. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about? And you put that little blue syringe in and you try to get, try to get the mucus out. This is the best I got today. I'm sorry, I'm, this is so gross. Uh, but you, you, know, you use the blue syringe. And I remember one specific night where my oldest son was Severely congested, like both nostrils, he could not breathe, and and so my wife, I remember her with the with the little syringe, and she's trying to she's trying to get it out, and she couldn't get it out, and and she did the unthinkable. Oh, y'all know what she did already. She put her finger on one nostril, and she put her mouth on the other nostril, and and all of it came out. And I'm sitting there going, I'm a horrible father, because that I would have never did. He would have had to breathe out of his mouth the whole night. <laughs> but she unclogged his nose with no problem. And, you know, um, mothers, and, and that's not, not just Ty, but there are many mothers in this room that if your child was in great need, you would go through great lengths to get him the help that he needs or that she needs. And, you know, that's not just Ty and that's not just the mothers in this room, but I think that we are backed up by biblical examples as well. What about Moses' mother? Moses' mother made sure that Moses was taken care of. She put Moses in the basket and floated him up the river and, and made sure that he was taken care of. What about Jesus' mother? Jesus' mother saw that Herod had genocide against all the babies and, and she took Jesus, her baby Jesus, and fled to Egypt. What about Rebecca? Whether you think this was a good decision or not, Rebecca, Jacob's mother, wanted to make sure that Jacob was receiving a blessing. And so she showed him how to deceive his father because mothers will go through great lengths to make sure that their children are taken care of. And I think the scriptures gives us great role models. But I want to introduce you to another mother today in First Kings three. And oh, I, I wish that I could introduce her by name. But I don't know if you pick this up when we read verse 16 to verse 27, she has no name in the text. 
She's, she's anonymous. We, we don't know her name, which right off the bat is consistent with the mothers in this room. Because most of what you do as a mother goes unnoticed. Most of what you do as a, as a mother is anonymous. And this is why brunch and flowers really don't do you justice today. There is much more we need to do to honor you. Why? Because there is much that you do that nobody will ever know about. And so the mother in the text is anonymous. But even though we don't know her name, there's a lot we know about her. And I would say she serves as a great role model for all mothers in this room. There's a couple of things we know about her based on verse 16. If you'll peek back at the text with me, it says, then two prostitutes. Okay, let's just stay there for a second. The mother is a prostitute. She became a mother through prostitution. Now, please don't make me parse Greek and parse Hebrew over what prostitution is. I'm just say it this way. She works the corner. She, she, she gives up the goods for, for, for money. She, she backs that thing up in order to satisfy the desires of uh, 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 the sexual desires of men in order to pay her bills. She's a prostitute. That's what the text just said to me. Now, what's crazy is not just her occupation as a prostitute, but where she is. Verse 16 doesn't just tell me she's a prostitute, but it says, then two prostitutes came and uh, came to the king and stood before him. Here's the question you should be asking. How does a prostitute get an audience with the highest ranking member in Israel, the king, King Solomon. Can we agree that Solomon is probably a busy guy? Can we, can we agree that his calendar is probably all booked up? So how in the world does this prostitute get an audience with the king of Israel? The king of Israel's job would have been providing leadership to Israel. He would have been busy defending the border so that no invading nation would come and take them over. He would have been responsible for casting vision and developing the leaders around him. He would have been responsible for balancing the budget. Don't forget, his father David just died in 1 Kings 2. A chapter before this, his father dies, so his leadership is new, so he is busy with the transition. Don't forget, he's also Solomon that builds the temple. So therefore, he would have been responsible for the building of the temple. We got to agree in this room that Solomon is busy. How does a prostitute get on his agenda for the day? Let me mess you up. Not one prostitute, but two prostitutes get on the king's agenda, listen to me, I, I don't care uh, what, what uh, party you ascribe to, but none of us can just drive to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, knock on the door, walk in and sit in the Oval Office and get a meeting with the president. Why? Because he is busy. King Solomon is busy, yet he gets an audience with this prostitute. Now, here's what's crazy. Let me go a little bit deeper. When I read this, the way my mind works is I usually am going, well, who else got an audience with King Solomon? If you go to chapter 10, you'll see that the queen, Queen Sheba, she gets an audience with the king. Now, that makes sense, right? A, a king would, would entertain a queen that, you know, a, 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 the elite would entertain the elite. A dignitary would entertain a dignitary. That makes sense to me. But a prostitute? How, Sway? Somebody say, how, Sway? Here's how she would have gotten this meeting. 
She didn't just get this meeting because she woke up and said, hey, I need to talk to the king. That's not how she would have got the meeting. In order to get this meeting, she would have had to press through many levels in order to get the meeting with King Solomon. So she would have had to meet with lower level leaders. She would have had to meet with judges and bring her case before them. She would have had to meet with court officials in order to get this day. And finally, she gets this day. She gets the day because of perseverance. She, she gets the day before the king because of her persistence. And this is what makes her such a good role model. What makes her a good role model is that she shows us that motherhood is synonymous with persistence. Most of you mothers in this room, this is why I say your, your stuff goes unnoticed. We will never know the persistency in which you endure in order to make sure your children are taken care of. And if that's you in this room and, and maybe you're a new mother, listen, keep pressing, keep pushing, keep being persistent. Show up at the parent teacher conference. Show, show up at the principal's office. Make sure you're at the doctor's appointment. Send that email. Go to the audition because your motherhood is defined by your persistence. Every real mother in here knows that your life ain't your own. Every real mother in here knows that you are defined by your persistence to make sure your children are taken care of. And here's the crazy thing. Children are so ungrateful, they don't even know to say thank you. Oh, let me just talk about we are so ungrateful that we don't even know to say thank you. I need my youngest son to just say amen right there. We, we don't we don't know. We don't know to say thank you. But this woman would have pressed this mother would have pressed her way. this prostitute. I'm just what she would have pressed her way in order to get to King Solomon. Did, it, did I mention she's a prostitute? And here's what's crazy. She gets before the king and she doesn't get rejected. She gets before the king and the king accepts her. And let me just say to every mother, your persistence is like, praise God for your persistence. But it should go further than just the meeting with the teacher. It has to go further than just the meeting with the principal. Your persistence doesn't stop until you are before your king. And just, be, just in case you think I'm talking about King Solomon, I am no longer talking about him. I'm talking about Jesus. Your persistence should push you all the way to Jesus. In other words, don't stop pressing through all of the levels until you are on your knees next to your bed praying for your child. I need a praying mother to say amen right there. Anybody grateful that you had a praying mother? Let me help you out. You are only in this room today because your mother prayed for you. I love the song. It says, my mama prayed for me. She had me on her mind. She took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed. I am grateful for praying mothers. I know my mother prayed for me. I know there are moments where I was straying and my mother said, you know what? My counsel won't help him. What he needs is divine intervention. And I need mothers to understand that your persistence is like it's key, but don't stop the percent you're you're pressing until you are your persistence until you are at the king. And that is Jesus Christ. She's a prostitute. She got a meeting before the king. She's persistent, yet a prostitute. She perseveres, yet she's a prostitute. She pushes, yet she's a prostitute. Y'all saw what I did with them peas? She's, she's pressing here, yet she is a prostitute. So, so mothers, listen, you, you, I, know, I know you don't always get rewarded, but your motherhood is defined by your press. Mothers, I, I know no one will ever know the sacrifice, and you, you might, you, nobody will never give you flowers and say thank you. Keep pressing. A lot of what you do is unseen and unheard, and nobody knows about it. Keep 
on pressing. And if you're online right now, just type that in. Mamas, keep pressing because we need you to press. We, we need you to press. And we might not say thank you, but we need your persistence. And so the Bible says that she's a prostitute. So we know her occupation. The Bible then goes on to tell us that she is standing before the king. So she, we know that her case is now being brought before the king. Here's the question. What does she say when she gets before the king? You know, when you stand before a king, you got to be prepared. You'll be dismissed if you're not prepared. So what does she say when she gets before the king? Verse 16, then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. And the one said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child. And while while she was in the house and then on the third day, she gave birth. Uh, but this woman, uh, this woman gave birth and we were alone and there was no one else in the house. Only we two were in the house and verse 19 says, then this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him and she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept. First of all, that's some good sleep while your servant slept and then laid her, laid him at her breast and then took her dead son and laid him at my breast. Here's the question. What makes this mother thinks that this is going to work? How does she think that she's going to fool the real mother? You know, in, in order for this to work, the babies had to be identical. In order for this to work, the babies had to look alike. You can't take a darker skinned baby that has melanin and switch it with a light skinned baby. You, you can't take a, a, a child that has long hair and switch it with a baby that has short hair. You can't take a baby that has hazel eyes and switch it with a baby that has brown eyes. You can't do that and expect that you'll pull the wool over the mother's eyes. The only way that you think this plan will work if these babies resemble each other. And so if the babies resemble each other, there are one or two things that are happening in the text. Either these two women are sisters. We don't know. This is this is hyperbole. We don't know. The text doesn't tell us whether they're sisters or not. But there's one more plausible outcome to this text. If the babies are identical and they're not sisters, they might got the same baby daddy. They, they are both prostitutes. They might have shared clients. Whoever was paying might be the customer for the day. And so it is very plausible that these two women share the same baby father, but we don't know. But here's what we do know, that the father is nowhere mentioned in the text. And so this just isn't a prostitute. This just isn't a mother. This is a single mother. And here's why I, I think she's such a good example for us, because even with the absence of the baby's father, she's still pressing in order to get her baby what she needs I need to just encourage every single mother in here. And I know we got single mothers in the room. I know we get in first service we did. I know we have single mothers that are here and I know single mothers are there. And maybe, you know, you're not a single mother, but maybe you were raised by a single mother. I just want to applaud you. I want to encourage, can we thank God for single mothers that press to make sure their child is taken care of. We honor you today. We, we, we see the hard work. We see you bringing your baby in, and we see you making sure your baby is taken care of, and we applaud you today. But let me take a second and just pause, and, and you, can I get the fellas right today? Can I, Fellas, if, if you have a child, and you're not in the life of that child, you're out of order. I didn't I don't I didn't mean to switch this thing to the left, but let me just let me tighten us up because do you know how many Christian men are deadbeat dads? 
the devil is a liar. You got a human life that God gave you and you just like the God let you steward and you decide all I'm going to do is give my check at the end of the month. That that's all you're going to do. Your, your, your child don't just need child support. He needs your support. Your child don't just need provision. He needs presence. He needs not just a man. He needs his father to be in places. So let me tighten the fellows up. If you got a child in here, if you think you got a child in here, you don't know. You need to make sure. I'm serious. I'm saying we need to make sure because there's some of us in here. That's going, I don't know. That could be mine. Well, make sure and see if it's yours. And the reason I'm really trying to get us because I'm tired of seeing fathers that are that, that are Christian men that can take care of everything else. And you're so good with jobs and you're so good with all this stuff, but you can't take care of our children. The devil is alive. Your spiritual guidance is needed. Your physical presence, the ministry of presence is real. Your fatherly advice is needed. Showing up at the games is needed. Showing up at the parent-teacher conference is needed. A good father don't know what the grades are when they come out. A good father helped to shape the grades before they come out. So fathers, I, I need a real father to just say, I know it ain't my day, but I just need you to say, yep, I'm a good father. I need the fathers to be real, real, real men because we got too many single mothers around here. We got too many single mothers. So I just want to applaud the single mothers that are in the room. The woman in the text is a prostitute. She's a mother, but she's not just a mother. She is a single mother. Now, I want to keep going here because I'm running out of time. Verse 21, something interesting happens. So the, the woman switches the babies. And the woman thinks that this plan is going to work. But in verse 21, she's like, you can't get me. Verse 21 says, when I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. I love this word looked here. It means that the woman was well acquainted. In fact, in the Hebrew, this word looked here means examined or paid close attention to. In other words, this is also an example and a good role model for motherhood because she knew her child. She knew his smell. She knew the touch of his skin. She knew his cry. She knew all his features. She knew what a birthmark was. She knew her child. And this is a sign of a good mother. And you know, mothers know. I just want, mamas know. And sometimes they know, they know you better than you know yourself. Those of you in here that want to be disobedient, you, you want to, you know, maybe I should go downstairs and talk to the kids and y'all parents, will be a, your load will be a little lighter. But the, 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 the mothers know. Mothers know well. You ever tried to pull the wool over your mother's eyes? You ever tried to lie to your mother? She was like, ah, you're lying. You know, when my, my boys are trying to pull the wool over my, mother's eye, my wife's eyes and they talk and talk, I'm going, shh, bro, just let it go because she knows. And oftentimes she knows us, even if they are not receiving what mama is saying, she knows better than we know ourselves because God put some special discernment into every single mother to be well acquainted with their child physically, spiritually, naturally. Mothers know. I'll never forget when I was a kid, I was a young teenager and um, at one point in my life, you know, I, I thought I was the man. And so I had two girlfriends. I had two, I had two girlfriends at one time, not the separate times, the same time I had two girlfriends and they didn't know about each other. And this is before, <laughs> this is before cell phones. So I could, they weren't nobody texting me and sliding in my DMs. They called the phone that was in the kitchen. I took the phone out the kitchen. Y'all know we wrapped that thing around. Y'all don't know nothing about this. Into the living room to have a private conversation. 
And so the young lady called, you know, the phone was ringing and, uh, and, and my mother picked up and she said, hey, it's so-and-so. And I grabbed the phone, I ran around, you know, corner, like, hey, baby, what's going on? And I'm talking to her and I'm talking to her and I'm talking to her and we end the conversation. So I hang up the phone. I go about my business and the phone rings again. And the second time the phone rings, my, my mother picks up again. You remember this mom? She picks up again. And the second time she picked up, she said, oh, who's this? He going to have to call you back. And she hangs up the phone and she begins to give me a lesson on faithfulness. She says to me, I remember the words verbatim. She says, you got to pick one girl because you're not going to date both of them. We, I'm not raising those type of men. You're going to be faithful. And that moment, that conversation is I accredit my faithfulness to my wife today because mama saw something that nobody else saw and was willing to call it out because mamas know they children. Y'all hear me? Mamas know their children. So this woman says, I looked at I examined my child in the morning and behold, this wasn't the son that I born. And so now that she knows that this is not her child, that this plan didn't work, that she was not deceived, she was not hoodwinked, she was not bamboozled, she finally gets before the king and she tells him the story. And then they begin arguing. The woman's like, no, 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 the dead one's yours and the live one's mine. And she goes back and says, no, no, the dead one is yours and the live one is mine. And I love what the king does here. Look at verse 23. The king said... The one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. The other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is alive. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two. Give half to one, give the other half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, my Lord, give the living child to her. But the other said, divide him. He, he will neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, give her the living child. The, give the living child to the first woman. I love this. For she is his mother. The king said, this is what I'm going to do. Now, remember, Solomon has a special type of wisdom. Solomon got this wisdom that, that nobody else in his room got. He got this stuff that just drops from heaven. And so I'm sure that God showed him this. In fact, verse 28 shows us that, it, I'm just read it real quick. And Israel heard of the jud uh, judgment of the king had rendered and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived the wisdom of God was in him. I love this, to do justice. So watch what the king does. The king says, bring me a sword. He had no intent to really kill the kid. The child, but he says, bring me a sword because the real mother's going to real stand up. She's going to stand up, divide him, give one, to, give half to her and half to the other. And the, 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 the fraud said, divide him. He shouldn't be mine nor yours. And the real living mother, watch this, is a good sign of motherhood because she sacrifices her needs for her child's wants. She sacrifices the thing that she needs in order to make sure that her child stays alive. And this is what I love about mothering and, and motherhood is the willingness to sacrifice the things that you desire to make sure that your child is taken care of. I need that mother to say amen. There's a few mothers that are in the room that there have been many times in your life that you've sacrificed and you went without to make sure that your child was taken care of because real mothers don't pick careers over their children. Real mothers don't choose girls night out over summer school tuition. Real mothers don't choose a man over their children. 
Real mothers say, you know what? I got a lot of desires, but I ain't in the season where I can fulfill these desires. And so therefore, there are so many of you in this room right now that didn't go after career opportunities and you, you didn't take some things that God opened the door. And you were, the only reason you didn't do it is because you knew you had to be home with the child. You sacrificed your needs, your wants, in order to make sure that your child was taken care of. And here's what's so dope about the text. Verse 27 is the moment that she graduated from being called a prostitute to being called a mother. Don't forget that verse 16 opens up and says she's a prostitute. He ends in verse 17, the, the king redeems the name. He no longer calls her a prostitute and he now calls her a mother. He ends by saying she is his mother. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was growing up, I often, I remember this story, I heard this story before, and I often, I, I never realized that she was a prostitute. I only realized that she was a mother because her mothering, what she did as a mother was more memorable than what she did as a prostitute. And there are a few mothers in this room that you made mistakes. You did some things that you shouldn't have did. You went the wrong way. But here's what I love. The king in the text redeems her name. And there's somebody in here, you are walking in shame and you're a mother and you're going, I can't ever get past it. You can get past it. He changes her from prostitute to mother. And there's a mother in here that the king is willing to change and redeem your name. He's, he's willing to change your identity. He's willing to change the circumstance. Don't live in shame when you can live in freedom. We have a king that desires to change our name. That delights in changing everything about us. And how do I know? Because he was willing to go to a cross. And even when he gets on a cross, he honors mama. Even when he gets on a cross, he's like, son, behold your mother. Take care of your mother. And so your mothering was affirmed by our king at his last breath. So that, that's how important this moment is for you. And some of you are new mothers. Some of you have been mothers for, for years and your, your kids are all grown and out the house. But here's what I know about mothering. You never graduate from it. You're, you're, constantly, you're constantly worrying. You're constantly praying. They could be out the house and married. You're still thinking. You're still praying. That's what defines what a mother is. Here's what I want to do. I want to I pray. I want to pray for every mother that is in this room. Because I realize how hard it is. Fathers, listen. Your day coming. <laughs> listen, it's coming. But today we want to honor, celebrate, and pray a protection, a prayer of protection over each mother in here. Because there's some of you in here, like you're grateful for the flowers and you're grateful for the brunch. But let's be honest, mothering is hard. Mothering is hard and there's some things that nobody else knows about, but I want to encourage you today, keep pressing. Every mother, mother if you could do me a favor, if you're a mother in this room, or I would say a spiritual mother, because you do know before Eve was even, before she had any children in chapter four and chapter three, she was called the mother of all living things. She had no kids, but she was called the mother before she even had kids. So in other words, if you're a spiritual mother in here, if you have people that look up to your, 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 uh, your, your care and I want you to stand too. I just want all of the mothers in the room. If you could just stand, just stand where you are. Every mother that's in the room. Come on, let's play something soft. Every mother. See you standing. Do me a favor. Everybody that's around one of these mothers, if you could just point your hand, put your hands their way, because they need our support. Father, I thank you for every mother that's standing in this room. 
and the mothers that are online right now. I thank you for every mother. We'll never know their sacrifices. You know. You keep the record. There's so many sacrifices they've made, and there, there are sacrifices that they will continue to make. And so, Father, we pray, oh God, that you would refresh them. Pray that you would give them a sense of rest. And by rest, I mean rest in you. That you would give them a sense of peace. I think that's the one thing all of us want in our house is peace. So would you give them shalom? Would you give them peace? I thank you for the persistency of every mother that's in this room that has pressed through and worked hard and toiled. Father, may they see the fruit of their labor. And may the fruit of their labor be children that worship you. May the fruit of their labor be children that heed godly advice. May, may, the, may the fruit of their labor be children that don't listen and then it goes in one ear and out the other. But may, may, we, be, may we be marked by having children that are God-honoring because these mothers are on their job. I thank you for each and every one of them. And Lord, as you continue to provide for them, I pray that you would give them endurance. Help them not grow weary in well-doing. Help them not give up. Help them not throw in the towel. Help them not stay home with the, with the covers over their head. But Father, may, may, may you infuse in them a spirit of endurance and, and a, a spirit of keep going and, and a spirit of persistence. Persevere, mothers. Persevere. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, protection over their minds. Protection over their hearts. I want to pray for a single mother that's in this room. A single mother that's been toiling and she's been going and she's been running and she hasn't even stopped to, 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 to just take a break. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would provide those moments for her. And would you, I pray that she would, you put a community around that mother. I pray that you would put a, men, a bunch of men around her that don't want to holler at her but just want to be filling the gap. Spiritual fathers. Pray that the community would be provide what that mother needs in the name of Jesus. I also pray for the fathers. I know the mothers are standing, but Father, I pray, I pray that we, we would support our mothers. That we be there. We, we be there to provide for our mothers. And maybe our, you know, our, our, our wives or our baby's mothers aren't, aren't in our lives. But Father, let that not stop us from doing what we need to do. So, Father, I pray for that. I pray for the mother in this room that doesn't know you. There's a mother in here that doesn't know you. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would ransom her heart, that you would change her life, that you would do a work in her life that only you could do. So, Father, we thank you for the work of salvation. We thank you for the cross. And as we honor mothers, we, honors, we honor mothers because these mothers honor you. We honor mothers because these mothers honor you. We honor mothers because these mothers have trusted in you. So I thank you for every blood-bought mother in this room that is doing the best she can to apply the gospel to her motherhood. I thank you. And we give glory and we give honor to you for these mothers. It's in Jesus' name we give praise. Everybody say amen. 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 Let's thank God once more for these mothers.